0: Thank you for checking out Friends in the Corner podcast, stories and topics from around Kentucky. If you like today's episode, please consider giving us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And to hear more episodes, go to www.friendsinthecorner.com. Hey, hey, it's Dan Polly, and welcome to Friends in the Corner podcast, stories and topics from around Kentucky. And we've got an amazing episode here for you guys today as we are going to be talking about the Eric Seacon documentary that just came out on Apple TV Plus, The Big Con. For those of you who have not heard or seen The Big Con yet, It is the story of corrupt lawyer Eric C. Kahn from Eastern Kentucky and how he was able to take advantage of the social security system, getting hundreds of people their benefits, but also taking hundreds of thousands of dollars from the program as well. It talks about how he was in cahoots with a doctor and a lawyer to get his clients their benefits faster, and eventually how he got caught red-handed and how he fled the country to avoid being arrested. I thought since this was a Kentucky-based documentary, it would have been great to interview some people that actually knew about Eric Kahn and who he was, so I welcomed a couple guys from eastern Kentucky back onto the show. Two former guests that have been on previously here to talk about what they knew about Eric Khan and their area. We welcome back, formerly of the Hillbilly Hippie Music Review, Nathan Wright, and the host of Off the Cuff of Adam Banks, Mr. Adam Banks himself, and they talked to us about what they knew about Eric Conn when when they were growing up in eastern Kentucky, they talked to us about some of their thoughts and feelings about how Kentucky was represented in the documentary, and even Adam talks to us a little bit about something special that happened in the documentary, where he actually played a little bit of a role in the documentary series, unintentionally. So, a really good conversation that we had with both of these gentlemen, and I'm excited to bring them back onto the show to talk about this topic. So, I say without further ado, let's jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Nathan and Adam, to talk about The Big Con. So this story took place in eastern kentucky and i thought to myself i need to get my eastern kentucky boys on here to really talk about this so i've got two former guests uh back on the show today i'm excited to have on first off uh from the hillbilly hippie music review returning to the show mr nathan wright nathan how you doing tonight buddy
1: Man, i'm doing fantastic Dan.
0: how are you i'm good man i'm good coming to us from uh well, you were originally from Pikeville, but now you're a, a wildcat in Cardinal Country still, I assume.
1: And having a blast. They're a dumpster fire, my friend.
0: <laughs> well, awesome. Well, we got Nathan coming from Pikeville uh, or to represent Pikeville on tonight's episode. And we've also got from Knott County, Adam Banks here. Adam, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good, Dan. Good to see you. And it's also good to meet Nathan, good old fellow Eastern Kentuckian.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And it, good to have you both on here to talk about this, especially with it being kind of close to you guys' roots, being where you guys are from. And I uh, love to hear some of the stories we're going to be talking about with Eric Kahn, because while a lot of people around the world have gotten to learn more about Eric Kahn's story, you guys actually got to live it. Um, so I'd like to, well, I'd love to hear some stories of what you knew about him before. But Adam, um, we got to start this off right. And talking to you man because the documentary came out earlier this month and for those who were listening to the documentary you may have heard a familiar voice on episode three of uh the big con and that voice may have been mr adam banks from off the cuff man so what was uh what uh what all went on with that
2: well so it was the weirdest thing in the world man like i was excited to watch this documentary just like everybody from eastern kentucky was and I, it came out on Friday, pulled it up, actually watched it with my family, but everybody was talking through it. So I watched all four episodes, and actually it got to my part, I didn't even hear myself at first. So I watched it all the way through and didn't even know I was in it. So the next day I said, let me watch this thing again now that everybody's gone, I can sit down and finally watch it. And I'm watching it, and I'm on episode three right at the end. And I hear what it sounds like myself, which I thought my head was playing tricks on me. I, I did not think that it was even possible. So many things started running through my head. Like, how in the heck did they even find the clip? What in the world? But sure enough, it was me that closed out episode three of the four-episode series, And they it was really cool because they put my voice over the scene where the eric c con little silhouette little uh actor that plays in the documentary he's making a run for it and he flips off the camera and it was just it was crazy i compare it to like a songwriter or a singer hearing their song on the radio for the first time and it just catching them by surprise it really was like a surprise
0: and you got to deliver the final line of that episode too which was
2: eric c Kahn is eric c gone
0: in the middle finger. In <laughs> the middle I,
2: finger. And they've been writing things about that, and I have yet to see any compensation. My One of my favorite websites, Deadline, I was doing research for the show, and I was looking up Eric C. Kahn stuff. Dan, can you believe this? I was looking up Eric C. Kahn stuff, <laughs> and they quoted me on the website. Well, they quoted what I said but because they didn't give me credit for it in the documentary, it said, as someone said, and as someone. Say, someone, that someone is me.
0: You just got to keep pushing up the ladder, man. You got to start tweeting at them and saying like, Hey Apple, give me some credit, please. And some money. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm good with, I'm good with, uh, not really getting, uh, notoriety for it. As long as it don't make it famous. If, if that thing starts to like take off and, people start getting rich off of it and I don't see anything, that's when I'll get frustrated.
0: <laughs> well, Adam got hit a little bit of uh, recognition off of the show, or his uh, voice at least did. And uh, it was a very fascinating show, man, that covered the story of Eric Kahn, how he pretty much screwed the government, screwed the social security system um, to get these expedited benefits for people who may or may not have needed them. And then it kind of crashed down, and it talks about the whole series, not just painting Eric Kahn's story, but painting the Social Security uh, Administration story. It paints the story of two women that tried to fight the system and kind of say, hey, this is not right, and felt that it was covered up. And it even talked at the end of Eric C. Kahn, Eric Sigon as we mentioned. Um, at the very first episode, though, the one thing that they hit on was how big of a quote unquote local celebrity eric Kahn um was in the eastern kentucky area and so you know for me like where i'm from in ohio uh the lawyers are not the i guess local celebrities like they would be down here like in town here we have the hammer and we've got morgan 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 and morgan 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 (laughs) um And Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. (laughs) but uh, the car the car dealers up in uh, in Dayton, where I'm from, they're the big uh, they're the big uh, faces of their commercials, like Heidi Honda and all this stuff. So Eric Kahn, I'm I'm used to that when I it someone says, "Oh, he's a local celebrity," he's like, "Well, he's got all the catchy local commercials and stuff." So you guys, growing up in Eastern Kentucky, I'd like to hear from you. What did you guys know about Eric Kahn? before all this, uh, Nathan, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, so Dan in the documentary or docu series, uh, they're interviewing a interviewing a guy, and he says, uh, you know, if you ask ten people in Eastern Kentucky who the president is, eight of them will know, but ten of them will know Ericsson. One hundred percent true. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> they, they talk about how every billboard has his, his face on it. Also, one hundred percent true. Um, my. My one thing is, is I can't get used to it. Um, you've been saying it; they said it on the docuseries, series, uh, calling him just Eric Khan. I can't get used to that. It was always that C was very prominent. Adam, I'm sure you agree with that. <laughs> it was Eric C Khan. It was, I mean,
2: everywhere. And I didn't realize. I didn't realize his middle name was Christopher. Did you know that that C stood for Christopher? I had
1: no idea. I honestly thought it was just a letter that <laughs> was stayed there forever, like it was. Because I went to high school with a girl whose middle name was just C. And I thought that's what his was. Um,
0: <laughs> it could be just like C E E. Like Homer, when Homer, like the episode of Simpsons where Homer tries to figure out what the J stands for and it stands for J A Y. Homer J Simpson. That's,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's like laughs> um, but no, I mean, we have Hillbilly Days in Pikeville. He was always prominent at Hillbilly Days. Uh, he threw concerts. He threw a concert in my high school gym that I went to, I think it was my junior or senior year in high school. It was. The Kentucky Headhunters, you know, from Metcalf County, Kentucky, Grammy Award winners, and Confederate Railroad in my high school gymnasium. And Eric Seacon walked around with about his posse of about four or five women that couldn't have been drinking age wearing the tightest yellow shirts that said the con girls. I mean, it was,
2: (laughs) he was everywhere. Everybody knew him for sure. And he had mannequins, too, in on his billboards, 3D mannequins. And when I first really was paying attention to him, like when I was old enough to pay attention, I thought really somebody was just up there chilling on the mannequin one time. And I was like, what in the world, man? I didn't realize that there was somebody crazy enough to put mannequins of themselves <laughs> the, on a
1: the billboard. The first time I saw that, I thought somebody was getting ready to jump. Yeah. I, I, I did. Yeah. <laughs>
0: call them down, call them down. (laughs)
2: It looked like because he was sitting on the billboard. And he's got a commercial, or he used to have a commercial, to where that mannequin came to life. I remember it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, his commercials was another thing, too. His commercials were very much like infomercials. He reminds me so much of Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Just those flashy commercials, those flashy advertisements, those flashy billboards. I mean, he was really. It's. I know they didn't base the character off of off of Eric Sevareid because he really wasn't known yet worldwide when Breaking Bad came out. But maybe you never know. Maybe Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, who did Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, maybe they were driving through Stanville one day and seen some Eric Sevareid billboards and just got inspired to create that. Uh, Saul Goodman character.
0: They had to look at that and be like, "Look at this nut n- mother. <laughs> we need to like definitely. We We need to f- steal this and to make our show out of this." So, <laughs> and
2: his pictures I, were corny too. Like he just looked like such like a dweeb. He, I mean, he was like a dweeb that just it. It was. It's fascinating.
1: One hundred percent, Adam. Do you remember whenever um, his mannequin got stolen, supposedly?
2: Yes. How. <laughs> How did it get stolen did somebody just like poke it off of the sign or did somebody climb up there steal it
1: so i never really looked that far into it i was just telling my wife about it after we finished uh, the big con what i remember hearing because i i think i was in high school i might have been in college what i remember hearing is that he actually had somebody steal it as a publicity stunt so it wasn't actually stolen it was just hidden
2: Typical Eric (laughs) Seacon. Oh, for sure. I'm jealous that I never did get to go to those lavish parties. I guess I was too young at the time, but they covered that on the documentary, him throwing those parties. I just imagine those were probably some of the wildest parties that this area has ever seen. So the people, Dan, you need to get somebody who has attended one of those parties to come talk about that.
0: Oh, dude, it was crazy. Like, looking at those parties. Like, that doesn't look like something you'd see in Eastern Kentucky. At least from what I've heard. i have not really been around Eastern Kentucky too much, but it's like it looked like Gatsby <laughs> type of deals. And it was funny, Nathan. You were talking about um, you were talking about the kind of scandally clad women that he would. Um, bring her bring around and stuff like that i've been listening to the uh complimentary podcast that goes with the show and they talked about that in one of the episodes too that he would do these you know bougie floats uh at hillbilly days and these ladies would just come looking like hooters women but with con shirts on and you know Pass out candy and hugs and probably some other thing STDs and some other things <laughs> to all these young kids. And, and the old ladies were just appalled oh, by it. Oh,
1: yeah, Mardi Gras <laughs> beads, too. I don't know why they were throwing Mardi Gras beads all the time like until <laughs> really days for the kids to get. But no, it was, it was all over the place there.
0: They, they, said, they kept saying in the show that uh, he wanted to be like James Bond. But, Adam, I think you'll appreciate this reference I'm about to share. I don't know if it was as much James Bond as he was Ric Flair. Oh. He had the Ric Flair drip.
2: He did. Uh, limousine riding, jet flying. I mean, he he really was uh, trying to embody the nature boy. He was,
0: he, he'd been about a, as married as many times as Ric Flair has, too.
2: Was it 16 or 17? I couldn't ever understand which number it was because they said 17 maybe <laughs> i don't even think they knew yeah that,
0: it all had, it had an asterisk because they, they said they couldn't keep track of it i would be willing
1: to bet it's over 20 at this point like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't oh, surprise yeah. me because at first he said five or six and then they started counting and then that's when they come up with you know he started naming i had i married four from this country three from here you know four from here
2: it's like okay maybe it it's a Isn't there a limit with how many times a man can get married? Uh, I don't don't know. know.
0: I'm not sure. Yeah. And maybe in other countries, maybe it's different with them. You know, maybe you have like a limit you can meet in each country since he was marrying like girls from different countries.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, different rules, different because he was marrying a girl in every like country around the world. So (laughs) different rules for different countries.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. It's like, man, th- those alimony checks he was writing—that's why he's <laughs> had to get all this money.
2: Well, did he have kids with him? I know he—they featured one daughter in the show, but did he have kids with these other wives?
0: That that I don't know because some of them they were like they said he was only married for like a day, right. and then like he would go get a divorce or separated or annulled or whatever. But yeah, they they had the one kid, and they didn't really talk about anybody else. I I would assume. If he truly is like James Bond and Ric Flair, he's probably got kids he's never met.
1: In (laughs) other countries.
0: In In other countries. countries. Enrique (laughs) Cicon. But um, (laughs) Lord. But did you guys, when you were growing up there, did you guys ever see the compound, like where his office was, or drive by it? Because I've always fascinated by the like, trailer park-esque looking deal that that place was.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. It was just a bunch of mobile homes, When it? Nathan, did they start out with um, just one mobile home at first, and then they just, instead of like building a big office, he would just pull other mobile homes into the parking lot?
1: Yeah, it started out as one, and then they would just kind of, it was almost like playing Tetris, and they weren't very good at it because they had like open space between them. Like, <laughs> yeah. So they would tear a wall out, they would connect the two mobile homes, but they wouldn't, like, abut them to make one big big office, like you were saying, Adam. And so, I mean, it was just a Tetris of – bad Tetris of mobile homes connected.
2: And it's still there. Like, the complex itself, you can still drive by it. I drive by it every week uh, going to work on Mondays. Oh, really? It's going on my way to work to West Virginia. I see it. I see it uh, still. It's still there. Some of the trailers have been – taken away there's some that are still there but the property's there the outline of his sign is still there uh his mommy's house who they feature in the documentary her house is still standing i don't know if she still lives there i'm sure she does she's probably too old to relocate at this point but yeah everything's still kind of there
0: that's crazy well, well, i'm sure spot.
2: it has to become a tourist spot.
0: That's what I was going to say. Now that the show's out, people who are driving that way will be like, that's it right there, and, and they're going to just start uh, coming and looking at it now. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so Dan, I, I drive by that every time I go back to Piteville to see my mom. My mom actually drives. She works in um, Ivo, so she drives from Piteville to Ivo every day. So she drives by it to and from work every single day. And so there, <laughs> oh like she's got some stories on that because I was talking to her whenever – in the uh, docuseries they were burning the files and things like that she remembers driving by for multiple days and they were burning out back
0: so she saw wow she saw so she saw them burning all the the, uh judge files that's crazy man i i would just love to see that big abe lincoln statue that was out there that had to be a uh uh a fascinating thing to drive by well
2: the abe lincoln statue is still in eastern kentucky as well it's like right next to it's real close to the mountain art center isn't it
1: yeah it's called the middle creek national
2: battlefield it was a civil war battlefield Mm-hmm. and
0: it's right oh, okay. there
2: it's i mean i passed that as well
0: i i heard that after you know he got arrested and everything that the city took it or whatever or they did and so that that's why they moved it out there
2: I don't know how they got away with that because isn't that his personal property? Well, well, I guess he bought it with illegal money, so I guess it's the government property at this point. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it being yeah. you know, a national battlefield, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's federal property or, or or what, but but yeah, they moved it out there pretty quick.
0: It's probably it was probably part of his restitution.
2: Well, they said that yeah, they said that it cost five hundred thousand dollars, is what that statue mm-hmm. cost to make that's almost a million dollars for a oh, statue if that's not a red flag to this lawyer is shady that right there him buying that statue might really been the first little spark into the case of looking into him
1: because it couldn't have been the Rolls Royce ghost because I saw that around Pikeville too I saw the Rolls Royce
2: <laughs> see his car oh, yeah. yes. who, who else had that
1: that had to have been the only one in Kentucky.
2: yeah that, I guarantee that was him
0: I, w- I was thinking about that, too. How many people actually own a, a Rolls Royce out there? So A new one, too. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> a new one. <laughs> Lord howdy, man. So uh, i like to get some more of your thoughts here on the documentary itself as we um, kind of dive into it here. We've talked about the legend and lore of Eric Kahn. And, you know, what his whole thing was, getting into law, he learned about how he could work with Social Security to get people their benefits. And by some questionable means, through questionable doctors, he could get it read off and uh, get people's benefits faster than anybody else. And, you know, eventually that caught up with him, which is they described on the show when um, the two ladies at the SAA noticed all the things that were happening with uh, Judge Doherty. And how they were all related to Eric Khan, and eventually, uh, kind of blew up uh, for Eric Khan, but also it kind of blew up for the Social Security offices too, and uh, all of his, um, all of his. Uh, I was about to call him patients, but his clients that he worked with, because all of their um, benefits stopped. Whether then some of them probably were faking it, and he just helped get their money, and then there were others. Like, they highlighted on the show who actually, like, needed them, and they lost their benefits. So I was wondering what your thoughts were uh, uh, for you guys about that. Uh, who would who would you say is more of fault with that, Eric Kahn? Or would you say, like, hey, this is pretty screwed up, that what, this, uh, what they did here in the SAA. I
2: think it was a very poor, 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 poor job on the Social Security Administration's part. Like, they handled that completely wrong. Yes, were there some fakes in there? Of course, of course. But you can't take away everybody's. I mean, don't they know that if they take away everybody's that there's going, they're going to take away people who actually need it? There were people that I seen in the documentary that said they had to scoot themselves down the hallway because they were in so much pain to work and i mean it it showed that one little girl that had the allergic reaction and she no longer could function properly she couldn't be mobile anymore or couldn't even talk you mean to tell me she's supposed to get out and work she she's disabled that's a disability and on top of it they were making those people pay their social security benefits back so i completely blame 130 Thousand percent blamed the Social Security Administration for their poor job of handling that. They should not have done that.
1: Adam, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, a hundred percent. Yes, I, I even think there's people that are, or that have Social Security, SSI, whatever now, that weren't Eric Kahn's clients, but were somebody else's clients, and they kept theirs through this whole process. I mean, there's people, there was a, the guy that worked in the coal mines, and you kind of saw him walk with a lamp, and he was in pain just walking. He still had got his, the um, lady you mentioned that was bedridden. I mean, they just, they did not handle that properly. Granted, it is the federal government, and there's not not right. many crazy situations they have handled properly from the beginning. But, no, I agree 100%. And Judge Doherty as well, I mean, they were going to offer him a four-year plea deal with, 93 men in restitution to me he should have been held more accountable than eric c khan i mean he he was a higher authority he was a judge he should be held to a higher standard than an attorney anyway so if eric c khan got 12 then he should have got 18 in my opinion
0: i agree with that and that's i think one thing that i did like about the show it was that yes eric khan did do a lot of crazy things and he did do it. But also it, it really talks about how everyone else played a piece in this, that really screwed all these people. And yeah, he was the judge that signed off on it is that like Eric Hahn may have been bringing the papers, but it's his signature on the papers. And he was just like, I, and he, you know, near the end of it, uh, of all of it, he acted like, you know, you know, like he was the kind of the, the victim of it all and all that stuff. And, and I was, um, I thought the same thing. It's like every, all the f- attention was on Eric Khan. And I think it's just cause he was just such the big personality that he got most of the attention, but all these other avenues, all these other f- uh, featured people um, definitely, I felt like definitely, f- I felt like they um, were as much to blame if not more than Eric Khan. Cause I mean, he's not the first lawyer to, Buddy up with a, a judge that that probably happens quite a bit.
2: And the doctor that was saying that everybody he encountered and everybody he examined had a disability, um, he was just as his fault, too. He was in cahoots with Eric C. Kahn and, and Judge Daugherty. I, I, his name is escaping me, but uh, he yeah, they said that he would go outside, smoke a cigarette, and not even look at the names on the applications and just rubber stamp each one of them. And pass them yeah. off as disabled. I mean, yeah, that's dirty. And in the end, um, yeah, they were corrupt. They were corrupt, and they were they were you know sticking it to the government. But look at what ultimately happened. I mean, uh, innocent people lost their lives over this.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They. Oh, yeah. They talked about that. Like some of these people were killing themselves because they weren't able to get their money. They didn't know what they're going to do, and you know. I, I think at the end, and we'll get into this a little bit more, um, Eric Khan talking from jail was like really apologetic, but I feel like he was more apologetic that he got caught. And um, it it left a bad taste in my mouth with him a little bit too. One thing uh, to take a little side note here, Adam, that you just said that I also love from the show as a little funny feature is they made a big deal out of the word cahoots. Um, because david they uh damon paletta who was the a journalist there he's like i've never heard anyone say cahoots before until i met someone from kentucky and i'm like i feel like i've heard that my entire life being here i say it
2: all the time nathan don't you i mean i've heard of that that's a common word cahoots so, so dan adam is that
0: an eastern when that kentucky?
2: came
1: up and he started talking about that i turned to my wife and i was like i'm pretty sure i said that three times today at work <laughs> like,
0: it all so so it, it's a very Eastern Kentucky, uh, delic It's a very Eastern Intelli- uh, Kentucky, uh, word, then it sounds like.
2: Well, the episode from my radio show where they pulled the Eric C. Gone clip from was from back in 2017 when I did that episode. So I was, I went back and listened to that entire episode when I heard that clip and I was in there talking about the doctor and the judge and Eric C. Conn being in cahoots. So it makes, so it makes me wonder, like, if the people, like, if they're referencing me in that documentary again, and because they obviously listened to that episode. So, right. You know, I don't know. I, cahoots, that blew my mind that they were just thinking that was some secret code.
1: So, Dan, this is the last time Adam's going to be in your podcast because he's going to get all those royalties, and he's just going to be loaded. Driving around, <laughs> driving oh, around I agree. You know,
2: Rolls Royce. So.
0: Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I would. <laughs> Drive around the Carport Lake, and uh, that's pretty much all we got. But
0: we have a mini ball. Well, n- <laughs> Nathan, I'd, I'd like to uh, talk to you a little bit here, too, because I know we were texting the other day, you were watching it, and you said, I'm going to be honest, I don't really appreciate the – stereotypes that they're putting about Eastern Kentucky and I wanted to get your thoughts on the documentary and what you kind of um, examine from it as far as how it presented Appalachia yeah
1: so I mean I feel like every everything that features Eastern Kentucky has to show all the parts of Eastern Kentucky that are stereotypical uh, Adam I don't know if that's been your experience as well but you know Paville, Eric C. lived in Pikeville and showed a picture of his house. They don't show that when they talk about Eastern Kentucky. You know, they don't show that neighborhood. And granted, that's not the most common. But it's not, you know, the backwoods holler that everybody thinks it is. There are places in Eastern Kentucky that are rough that I still wouldn't go to alone at dark. But (laughs) there's places in Louisville that I wouldn't go to alone at dark either. You know? Yeah. (laughs) But... So nothing against him, and I don't know him personally. But they had Mason Tackett was like the main interviewee. I don't know if you guys remember Mason Tackett, but he was the guy who stole or who steals a cheese grater. So, so I, I don't know anything about him, but you know that it just had to be planned for entertainment or to shed a bad light because you can't find someone to interview or someone better to interview about Eric Seacon. Then a guy who made national news all over the place because his felon cousin that may or may not have been on drugs broke into his house and stole his soap and his cheese grater. And then during the whole episodes, he was wearing or had his long hair pulled back wearing bib overalls. I don't know anybody that wears <laughs> bib overalls on a daily basis. So they were just falling <laughs> the stereotype with it. And like I said, nothing against him at all. I don't know him. I'm sure he's a great guy. But they were definitely by just having him be so prominent, playing on that stereotype and playing kind of on like his funny fame from "The Who Stills the Cheese Grater."
2: Yeah, yeah, they were going for that little feel, that kind of redneck hillbilly feel, with getting Mason to be to get uh, to have Mason in there interviewing. I don't know him either, honestly. I don't know Mason Tackett. I know him from that "Who Steals the Cheese Grater" clip, but. I feel like a lot of his act is put on. I feel like that he exaggerates just to get laughs because I remember when that little cheese grater thing happened, he would share it, and he went on, like, tour and started doing comedy shows after that. And I'm like, dude, like, you're not making it funny anymore. <laughs> like, funny to me is authenticity. And he was being very non-authentic with his comedy. So... um on the other hand, though, I do think that the documentary it did show a slice of real Eastern Kentucky as well, uh, going into people's homes. That 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 is what it is. Uh, you know, going into some of these homes that are maybe ran down or or small or two bedroom trailers. Yeah, that might look bad, but that's still a part of where we're from, and that's kind of the reality of of. Of the houses that are back there, um, I would say the majority of the homes back there are are not, you know, like uh, like you said, like Eric C. Collins. But I mean, I think that a lot of the houses that they went inside was just typical um, Eastern Kentucky. Nothing wrong with that, but it was just. I mean, that's just kind of like a slice of who we are as Eastern Kentuckians, too. But, yeah, I know what you're going with with Mason Tackett. I was not really a fan of his commentary in the documentary either.
1: And, and I agree with what you were saying. I feel like... It, it is a slice. But, it, and, I mean, I, I grew up in a trailer. I have, I'll have, tell anybody I don't care. My mom still lives in a trailer. We, I grew up in a trailer park. I don't care. You know, it made me who I am. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. But, I mean, it, it didn't show one real house. Like, one home that was not a mobile home except for his mother's home and his home and and I'm not putting trailers down like I said I grew up on one but it's probably 50 50 or so in eastern Kentucky I think but they have I feel like by just the way they showcased it it had to it portrayed the stereotype a little more
0: i I do agree that that's kind of a a, a thing with Kentucky especially and not even just in this documentary I remember have you did you guys see? The Heist documentary with um, uh, Pappy oh, Gate yes. that came out. Uh-uh. This, was, this was, oh, that Adam, it's worth checking out. This one was, um, this one what came out last year and it's a three-part series with, called Heist on Netflix. But the last episode is about uh, a guy who stole tons of Pappy Van Winkle from Buffalo Trace and sold it um, on the underground to make money.
2: You've got to watch it. And they talk. Uh, that sounds interesting
0: yeah it, it is really cool and but like that they picture kentucky and picture frankfurt with like hillbillies playing banjo and they put a guy in their name moonshine mike who's missing his teeth and <laughs> it's like kind of the, kind of the same thing but with frankfurt and yeah granted there, there are parts of frankfurt that are, are a little more rural than you know other part than lexington but um I kind of agreed that they tried to show the worst parts, but I, and I think though they were trying to make a point to like, you know, they, they made a good point like about kids going into the coal mines in their twenties and breaking their back when they're 30 and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, it is hard. It was, you know, Eastern Kentucky was an area that was built on like hard labor jobs for the most part. And, you know, that's, I think that's what the reality that they were trying to say is like, hey, that, this is why he, you know, they needed these benefits because a lot of them got injured before they even turned 30.
2: Yeah. If you want to go and be a disability lawyer, you want to go to a place like West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, because those states are very hard labor states, coal mines, people always getting hurt. So, a uh, brilliant business plan, Eric C. Con had to, Do all that advertising, be flashy, uh, get in cahoots with a crooked judge and and doctor, and bam, you're becoming a millionaire. Brilliant plan.
1: I agree, yeah. I do think he was a great marketer, and he was a smart man, or is a smart man. I, I
2: agree. Oh, my gosh, so smart. I mean, I might be jumping ahead here, but when he left the country, did you hear about how he crossed the border? With the dog? I mean, With the dog,
0: yes. Oh, that story, Yeah, and
2: then he also got into another country uh, by saying that he was married. He just got married to this girl that he was with, and he didn't even know her. And uh, he says, I'm drinking, or I'm drunk, but my papers are in the backpack. And he said that the border guy, the cop, was just like, all gringos are crazy. And let him walk into the Mexican border. Yeah
1: it's crazy i mean he was on the fly that that's why he became what he became because he was such a smooth talker i'm convinced brilliant guy. yeah yeah. he
0: he knew how to lay the sauce on uh he was he he probably could have been a great wrestler a great manager in his day adam I, i really believe that like he had that finesse about him uh, oh
2: but, gosh! Yes, because he had that raspy voice too, and you know he does. He's very Eastern ish, like he just he, which which is a great compliment. Likable. When I say Eastern Kentuckyish, I'm talking likable, approachable, uh, somebody that just people want to be around. So he he had that going for him. So I could see why people gravitated to him. I mean, uh, but but he he sounded uh, <laughs> he just sounded just like a good old boy.
0: it was that southern charm i would love to hear his uh eastern kentucky spanish because i know he was very fluent in spanish like i want to know what got these ladies so interested interested in him it had to be that well yeah it was the money definitely
2: (laughs) because he would tell women to google him
0: yeah
2: (laughs) so they would google him and could you imagine what they thought because we thought he was like a superstar too. So like, imagine what these people from these third world countries thought when they seen this man all over the internet, they were like, (laughs) Jack.
0: I I remember hearing uh, the news and stuff like that when he did finally go on the run. And I didn't know much about the story at the time, but I remember just listening, watching. uh, I was, I was just flipping through the news and on Twitter and stuff like that when he went on the run and it was like lawyer on the run, lawyer on the run. And it was like, wow, this is like a, a movie scene right now. <laughs> like, and uh, that's when they started to hear like, oh, he would like have, he like was around tons of women, and he did a lot of drugs, and now he's <laughs> in Mexico somewhere. And I was like, wow, this is like a he legit became a James Bond character. <laughs> uh,
2: there is one hundred percent going to be a miniseries or a movie made about this man's life.
1: And I, I'm gonna go. Who watch. plays Eric?
2: I want to be there on the opening day.
0: <laughs> who plays who is it that would play Eric? Kahn in the Eric? Kahn biopic. That's
2: a great question. I'm thinking here. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. I mean, it could be, I don't know, you might have to do a worldwide national search to find <laughs> the guy <that laughs> to play Eric. Kahn. Uh, the guy who played him in the documentary, who was the guy who kind of they who represented his character, his image. Oh, yeah. I don't know, I just cast him. He looked just like him. <laughs>
0: he had
1: that. He had some
2: strange mannerisms.
1: As I've seen him around town, I like his commercials and things. So just just hear me out. Don't don't immediately think I'm crazy, but I'm thinking Johnny Depp could do it. Ooh, okay. I mean
2: Johnny Depp could play anything. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he could probably do Eric Conn. Uh, <laughs> I mean I swear I, Eric Kahn has to play Eric Kahn. They they need to let <laughs> yeah.
0: they need to pull him out him, of jail. Just <laughs>
2: they need to let him play himself. Um, oh
0: gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now I uh, what was very fascinating to me about him going on the run is that he was so cocky about it too that he would email people like he would email people, uh, he would send emails to, like the journalist damian paletta or he would email his coll- his colleagues back at the compound be like man it's like it's hard being on the run i need pizza and it's just like it was like he almost it was almost like a dare like you know what i mean he's like i'm on the run and i'm getting away
2: or foreshadowing because he got caught in a pizza hut.
0: Yes, I'll be, I. The way they narrowed that down, I thought was so crazy. He's like, I'm craving Italian, so it's like there's only two places: a Pizza Hut or a uh, or one. They said one Italian restaurant, but he didn't have money, so he wound up at the Pizza Hut. I'm
1: just saying, the guy from East Kentucky on the run, and they catch him at a Pizza Hut. It's
2: it's classic.
0: Like I can't Right itself. You know what
2: I'm saying? And that... I do. I mean, but you know, he went to where he, he went to where he knew he knew what he liked there. And they said he had a personal pan pizza and a soup. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. I would eat that. I like I the mean, personal pan pizza. Yeah, I don't know who eats soup at Pizza Hut, but he that was hilarious. And I like how when the cop or the FBI agent got to him, he, uh, Eric Kahn looked at him and said. Uh, can I finish my soup? And the agent's like, no, you may not. <laughs> 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 go, you got to come with me.
0: Uh, that's the best. So kind of just a uh, uh, wind uh, us around here. What, you know, you guys knew Eric Kahn a little bit from growing up, um, all the pomp and circumstance around and what was something that you guys learned from the documentary about the story you didn't know before?
2: I would say probably just the fact that I didn't realize how smart he was. I had an idea of how smart he was. Uh, when I first heard of his scheme, I thought it was pretty basic, getting cahoots with crooked judge and doctor and, and voila, which is kind of still what he did. But when I was hearing the stories about how he crossed the border and and how a man actually sticks it to the FBI, as I said in episode three of the docuseries, how, how he was able to do that is, it just speaks volumes of how smart he actually was. And, and, oh, and the story with his mother, the relationship he had with his mother, I mean, I could talk 45 minutes on that. That right there was so fascinating with how he had to sometimes, if he wanted something to drink out of the vending machine, he had to go to her office and get change for it. <laughs> and how uh, his mother... If, if she felt like that he was mad, if she felt like that he was not telling her things, she would leave books around that talked about suicide and uh, trying to put a seed in his head that she maybe might commit suicide because he's making her sad because he would take his that suicide book in there to the ladies in the office and be like, well, mommy's mommy's uh, mad again. And I also love that, that he called his mom mommy and people thought that was weird. And I was like, again, that's not really weird. I mean, mommy is <laughs> another. That's I mean, Nathan and my line. That's something that we say in East Kentucky. My mommy and daddy. Like that's just something that we say.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, my my granny, who's actually my great grandma, passed away in ninety eight. And whenever my papa refers to her, he still calls her mommy. Mommy, yes. Like,
0: <laughs> it's it's just
1: it's part of the culture.
0: So, um. <laughs> It was very, uh, very, it was a very interesting documentary and definitely for people who probably, uh, don't know a lot about it. I think it was very fascinating to watch and I encourage a lot of people to go, uh, check it out if they haven't on Apple, uh, Apple TV plus, Apple plus, Apple, uh, Apple T, whatever it is, um, out there. (laughs) But, um. I, there was something at the end of the episode four that, uh, David, uh, Piotta, that the journalist was talking about and he said, he tried to figure out whether or not Eric Khan was Robin hood or Eric Khan was evil. And he kind of went back and forth on it. And he said he was like an evil Robin hood. And I thought that was kind of a good question to ask is, um, it kind of, the the entire story kind of painted like hey this is why he did it and it did help people but also this is kind of the cons of what happened because of it and so let me i wanted to ask you guys what were your thoughts it do you would do you think eric Khan is evil
1: i don't think he's evil um maybe he's fascinating first especially after this maybe a uh, maybe insane and i don't mean that to be derogatory i just mean that to be true i mean to be to do what he's done to think the way he's thought um and as far as the robin hood you know the evil robin hood thing i think that's it's pretty well spot on because i personally know people that are on social security ssi that got their benefits through him because growing up in eastern Kentucky, people got hurt as adam said i mean it's a hard labor state it's a hard labor area in the coal mines, they said in the docu-series it would take up to 18 months, and he promised it in 30 days. I mean, it it helped these people that were hurt, but it also helped himself, too. Where he actually came in, like, as far as his thoughts, I mean, during the interview he said he was doing right, and he was taking advantage of a broken system, and Mm -hmm. so that's how he justified it. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to justify that. Honestly, he may teeter totter as well. He's in prison. He's got a lot to think about. But he, he did help people that needed it, but he also really helped himself as well.
2: I agree. I don't think that the man is evil. Uh, that's a strong word. I mean, I, mm-hmm. the evil is not what I would use to describe him because. Uh, <laughs> he he were he was helping people and he did help people he did help expediate that process of getting people their benefits uh but I think he sounded very remorseful um the one thing that didn't sit right with me was his flashiness, how he flashed his wealth all over the city uh, on the backs of these social security cases off these off these disabilities uh, he was making money off these disabilities and he was flaunting it, and that just kinda doesn't sit right with me but i don't i think that was just his ignorance i think that was just him being getting caught too caught up into his wealth into his fame and his ego but i do not think he was evil um i don't think he'll spend his entire time in jail i think that he's a likable guy i won't be surprised if he does
0: less than 10 years so uh we'll see
2: i don't know has he been in jail 10 years
0: when did he go? Two thousand and seventeen was it? I Somewhere think it was well, that's right when he is. got caught. So, so yeah,
1: four it, or five years?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm, yeah. I think if he does get out, he he what he just like cashes back in on his celebrity.
1: <laughs> oh, he really? he's just like,
0: I am back <laughs> commercial out there. I never left.
1: But I don't look for him <laughs> to be here. I mean I like yeah. I firmly believe they, they talked in the docuseries about how they ship money all over the world and he's ladies that work for him said he's got money everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if he got out and, you know, he was on probation or something and couldn't leave the country but he fled and ended up in Panama and stayed in stayed in Panama being a celebrity there. I mean he could live the life. Like I I can see it going James Bond ish isque because I don't think just because he can no longer practice even though he's got this show now, I don't think he could go back to the life he had in Eastern Kentucky
2: in this area. Right, which which it. would be insane if he actually started practicing law again in the same <laughs> mobile home and, and started doing vis- disability benefits. But I do think that he has money buried somewhere. He's too smart. He's too smart not to have done that. So the question is where. Everybody's going to be looking for it now. But he's probably got it buried somewhere. It's in different countries. It, it might even be but under those mobile homes, maybe under his mom's house, who knows? Is the Statue of Liberty uh, still there? It may be under the Statue of Liberty. I don't know where the Statue of Liberty is actually. At where I don't know where that's at. It, it was so, in the front. If, it was there first. So if it's still there, it could be underneath there. Could be, but if he gets out of jail, he didn't. He's no fool. He set himself up to still have some money under the table. Oh yeah
0: absolutely now, now people that are going to go ransack the trailer, part, the trailers over there for all the buried money that's there I can already feel that's it that Statue so. of
2: Liberty don't stand a chance next
0: Monday I'll drive
2: by there and, <laughs> and that thing will be like burn all the pieces
0: keep, I guess I can blame me keep, for that keep one. a search out there <laughs> well guys is there any uh, final thoughts that you have on the documentary
1: you know Dan I could go on and on and on about stories I mean my mom would see him every every day when she would stop at the grocery store, there was a grocery store there that had sushi. Hillman, his last wife, they interviewed. And just, she would see him, and I would see him. I could go on and on and on. But
0: what What's the best story you've ever heard?
1: Um, I don't know. I I think the best stories were already in the docuseries, because I, I didn't know about those extravagant parties. I mean, I just knew <laughs> about, you know... I knew about him traveling. My mom has a friend that worked for him when she was 19. He was like, I don't know, 48 or something. And they dated like that. Oh, all that stereotypical what? stuff. I mean, it's, it's true. And I know a lot of that firsthand. Like, but I think, I think it was like the extravagant parties of him going for two weeks out of the year and getting married to a woman in a different country. Or, I mean, two weeks out of the month, excuse me, and getting married to a woman at a different country every time he went.
0: Like, I, I, go ahead. No, I was just going
2: to say, and how funny was it too? How Easter Kentucky was this Nathan, that his daughter Jordan was going through a box full of his things. And there was a big black snake in the box.
1: Oh, I mean, it's happened to me. <laughs>
2: yeah. I was just like, that's so Easter Kentucky that there's just a snake coiled up in a storage box.
1: Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> I liked talking about his, uh, wives, the one episode where he finally got arrested and, The young girl that's with him, they're like, is that your daughter? He's like, no, this is my wife. And the girl with the backpack and everything, I'm like, oh, gosh.
2: (laughs) The only thing that could have got him those women was the money, because I guarantee his Spanish sucked. I mean, I'm sure he knew a little bit, but I bet it was very broken to somebody who spoke really good English or Spanish
1: I don't think my life is going to be complete until I hear Eric C. Con have a full conversation in Spanish so, <laughs>
0: <so. laughs> I tried to make up some BS Spanish but, but yeah, it was very interesting to hear and he
2: learned himself from tape so it's got the, I mean it, again that just goes to show how smart he is but I would love to, to hear a conversation of him speaking Spanish
0: so that is the uh, documentary series, guys, and um, very uh, worth checking out. If you guys got Apple+, uh, Plus, go check it out on Apple+. Plus. And I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing some of your thoughts of, uh, <laughs> on uh, Eric Kahn and really happy to talk to you guys again. I wanted to ask you guys my final question that I've been asking at the end of my show. And with everything going on in the world today, One thing I'm trying to do in 2022 is cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And so every day I either say aloud or I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And so that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Maybe you don't have to do three, but what are some things right now in you guys' lives that you're grateful for?
2: Well, Dan, I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for my health. And I am thankful for my radio show. So uh, those are my three things.
1: Uh, i'm gonna go you know it's kind of cliche but my family specifically my wife uh i'm stressed at work right now she's there you know she's walking a dog while i'm doing this podcast and she's just she's awesome um so my whole family but specifically her uh my job because i love what i do i'm stressed but i love what i do um and then the relationships that i have i mean i've got relationships with you dan uh adam we gotta talk more man because i feel like we're gonna get along well um my relationship with god and the lord you know the lord my relationship just with friends because it's it's been a rough time with covid and kind of the transition and the workforce and we're we're understaffed and everything those relationships have helped me through it all so
0: well awesome guys. Well, appreciate it you guys again for coming on and sharing some of your knowledge. Let my listeners know where they can find you guys online.
2: Well, you can find me online at you can follow my radio show at off the cuff with Adam Banks. Uh, we are on all major podcasting platforms. And you can also follow me on social media at the Adam Banks.
1: And uh, you can find me. I'm on Instagram. That's pretty much the only social media page. Um, it's at Hillbilly really Hippie Music, Is a page that I started. Um, my friend Alyssa runs now. Um, I've kind of stepped away, but I'm still on there. And then Grocery Gitter TRD. Um, I'll just post about all my camping trips and my truck and all that. So get on there and follow me and see all my adventures.
0: <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of Friends in the Corner.
1: Thanks